Well, a bus driver. <laughs> a bus driver and a minister were standing in line to get into heaven. The bus driver approached the gate, and St. Peter said, Welcome, welcome. I understand you were a bus driver. Well, said Peter, since I'm in charge of housing, I believe I have found the perfect place for you. See that mansion over there, over the hilltop? That's yours, man. That's yours. Well, the minister heard all this. Remember now, they were standing in line to get into heaven, he and the bus driver. The minister heard all this and, and began to stand just a, a little taller, you know, just a little, little taller. And uh, he thought to himself, he thought, well, if a bus driver got a place like that, just think what I'll get. Huh? Just think what I'll get. So the minister approached the gate, and St. Peter said to him, he said, Welcome. I understand you are a minister. You see that shack? You see that shack in the valley? St. <laughs> Peter had hardly gotten the words out of his mouth when the angry minister said, What's this? I was a minister. I preached the gospel. I help teach people about God. Why, why, why does that bus driver get a mansion and I get a shack? And St. Peter said, well, it seems that when you preached, people slept. When the bus driver drove, people prayed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Would you turn, please, in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles, more towards the beginning of our Bible. Our theme today is, what are spiritually revived people like? What are spiritually revived people like? Now, we can't go into all of the answer. We can't get into the full answer, but we want, to, we want to discover some aspect of the answers in 2 Chronicles 29, 30, and 31. So, to the question, what are spiritually revived people like? Number one, spiritually revived people are totally faithful to the Lord and do what is right in the sight of God. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6, King Hezekiah, and I shared with you three previous messages from this part of the Bible from Hezekiah. But in verse 6, Hezekiah talks about how their ancestors were. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 to see what Hezekiah says. In fact, why don't you read it with me from the big screen. Verse 6. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. And that is a good summary of how the people had been. 
And then in the verses and the chapters that follow, God, through Hezekiah, says to the people of his day, and he says to you and me, that he basically, he basically says that we need to become totally devoted, totally faithful to the Lord, and to do what is right in the sight of God. And that is a part of revival. We had revival week this past week. And I want to ask you, I want to also ask you to notice with me some of what King Hezekiah did to try to get the people totally faithful to the Lord. If you look at chapter 30, chapter 30, beginning at verse 6, notice a part of what Hezekiah did. Chapter 30 of 2 Chronicles, verse 6 says, At the king's command, runners were sent throughout Israel and Judah. They carried letters that said, here's what they said, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he will return to the few of us who have survived the conquest of the Assyrian kings. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and became an object of derision, as you yourselves can see. Do not be stubborn as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple, which he has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, and they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. Now, why? Why was King Hezekiah so concerned that the people of his nation become spiritually revived? Why was he so concerned? Well, because, because he knew that it was the right thing to do. Hezekiah knew that that was the right thing to do. He saw how, how the people had drifted away from God, had abandoned the Lord. In fact, his own father, the previous king, was largely responsible for the fact that people had, had gone wayward for his own father who ruled the nation had, had forsaken God himself. And so Hezekiah knew that it was the right thing to get back to God, to make things right with the Lord, to become spiritually revived. Now Hezekiah was also concerned that this spiritual victory happen in his nation and amongst the many people. He was also concerned because he knew that there was a price. There was a price to pay for abandoning the Lord. He talks about the high cost of being unfaithful to God in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. If you look at verse 8, <clears throat> here is uh, the high cost that they experienced for forsaking the Lord. 2 Chronicles 29 verse 8 says, That is why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah, because they forsook the Lord. That is why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread, horror and ridicule, as you can see with your own eyes. Because of this, our fathers have been killed in battle, and our sons and daughters and wives have been captured. But now, now I will make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. 
throughout the month, throughout this past month, the previous month that has gone by, and during the revival services of this past week, my friends, with Dr. Anthony Manswell, in a variety of ways, our revival speaker this past week, Pastor Lisa and I, we have, we have pleaded with you, we have pleaded with you and prayed that each person would become totally, totally committed, totally faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ and to make decisions to do what is right in the sight of God. And so the question is this, the question is, have you, have you made your personal decision to do so? Have you personally given your whole mind, heart, spirit, soul to the Lord and said, Lord, I, I de desire to be totally belonging to you, totally faithful, totally committed to you? If you have, if you have made that decision, great. If, if as yet you have not made that decision, well, I encourage you and I invite you to do so today, today, this morning, in fact, this moment, this moment. We never know, we never know what happens to our lives. We never know how long we will live. We never know what comes and goes from one day to the next. And it is essential that you and I be people who are totally committed to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. What are spiritually revived people like? Here's a second truth. Spiritually revived people carry out their duties, their ministries. In verse 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter 29, if you look at it, Hezekiah says, My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. Now, Hezekiah, in this verse, was specifically speaking to a group of people called the Levites. <clears throat> if you study it more carefully, you see that he is, in fact, addressing the Levites at this point. The work of the Levites was to assist the priests who were descendants of Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. The Levites were supposed to assist the priests as the priests carried out their ministry in the holy temple, the place of worship in their day. This never occurred to me before, strangely, but I want you to think about this. Think about it now. It occurred to me that in a different sense, in a different sense, all of you today are Levites. Stick with me now. In a sense, you, you are Levites because you too have the opportunity to assist priests or in our tradition, to assist pastors such as myself, such as Dr. Lisa Autar, such as Pastor Lucas, our youth minister, such as Pastor Bree, our children's minister, you have the opportunity to assist us in our local place 
of worship. You got that? Pastor Lisa, did it ever occur to you that, that our people, in a sense, are Levites? What a brainwave I had last night. In King Hezekiah's day, the Levites had gone for many years without serving, without serving in the place of worship, the temple. Why? Because the previous king, as I've said before, had shut the doors to the temple, Hezekiah's own father. And uh, he wouldn't even allow anyone to go into the temple to worship. But it was a new day now. It's a new day, however. God was using Hezekiah to bring about revival in the nation. And King Hezekiah called the Levites back into service. And, and he said to them in verse 11, he said, Do not neglect your duties any longer. You see, the Levites had neglected their duties because of the previous wicked king. You may not have, you may not have a wicked king that prevents you from carrying out your duties or your ministry, but sometimes, stick with me on this now, but sometimes there are other hindrances which prevent even spiritually revived people from either taking on a ministry or faithfully executing, faithfully carrying out a ministry. What, what might some of those hindrances be? What might some of those hindrances be? Well, it could be busyness, busyness, or time pressures, or spending too much time on the internet, or spending too much time watching television. The hindrance could be, the hindrance could be lack of discipline, or sometimes it's simply a matter of lack of confidence. Or for some it might be an unwillingness to do something on a regular basis or on a weekly basis. It takes a lot of discipline to do something weekly for the Lord. Or it might be, the hindrance might just be laziness or something else. So the question is this. What is hindering you from taking on a volunteer ministry? What, what, what is hindering you from carrying out with excellence a volunteer ministry which perhaps you have already taken on? At present, we need some godly adults, some godly Christ-loving adults to volunteer as Sunday school teachers for children, our beautiful children, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 to 10.45. That's our Sunday school special time. We need some wonderful godly men or women to volunteer to teach the boys and girls. We need other, other godly adults to volunteer as leaders with our Wednesday evening children's caravan program. The good news is we will train you. We will equip you with some of the best curriculum 
available on the market. We will take you through plan to protect and, and we, will, we will pay the $20 fee required to get the police check done. We do those, we carry out those details for you. I believe, my friends, I believe that one of the most important ministries, one of the most important ministries in any church is that of teaching children and young people. You know why I believe it's so important? It's so important because the reality is about the only place that children and youth will receive any teaching about our Lord Jesus Christ, the only place they will receive any teaching about the Bible for most children and young people is in a local church like this. In Sunday school, Amen. In children's church, in a Wednesday evening children's program like Caravan, other churches have a different name for it. But I believe one of the most important ministries that anyone can have is to be involved in helping to teach children and young people. And so the question is, what's hindering you from volunteering to be a children's Sunday school teacher or a Wednesday evening caravan club leader? Are any of those hindrances preventing you? I would say to you, don't let them be. Don't let them be a hindrance. King Hezekiah, King Hezekiah said to his people, and he says to you, do not neglect your duties any longer. In your bulletin, there is a half-page insert about volunteering to be a children's Sunday school teacher or a, a caravan club leader. And I believe, there it is, I have it here. It's on a green, it's on a green sheet, green sheet. And the title at the top says, You Can Be a Blessing. You can be a great blessing in their spiritual journey to children in Sunday school on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we need assistant teachers in several Sunday school classes. And then halfway down it says, you can be a great blessing in their spiritual journey to children at Caravan Club on Wednesday evenings from 7.15 to 8.30. I want to ask you to take that green sheet today. I want to ask you to take that green sheet, in fact, now. Take it now, fill it out, and later when you're about to leave the sanctuary, place it in an offering plate. Michael and other ushers, I want to ask you to place a couple of chairs at the back of the sanctuary with, with a plate so that people can place their you-can-be-a-blessing response form in that plate. Amen? Amen? King Hezekiah said, do not neglect your duties any longer. By the way, when I get to heaven, one of the people... One of the people that I'm looking forward to seeing is my Sunday school teacher that I had at the Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene. His name was Walter Burridge. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing him in heaven and saying to him, stretching out my hand, 
and saying, Mr. Burridge, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Burridge, for teaching me about Jesus. Thank you, Mr. Burridge. Thank you, Mr. Burridge, for, for phoning me or, or coming to my house when I missed Sunday school. Thank you, Mr. Burridge, for loving me and loving all the young people in our class. Thank you, Mr. Burridge. The good news is, teachers like Mr. Burridge helped young children and young men like myself find their way to heaven. And when I meet him in heaven, I will say, thank you, Mr. Burridge, for helping me find my way to heaven. And the good news is, you too can be a Mr. Burridge or a Mrs. Burridge in your own way. Amen? Amen? I want to ask you to take that green sheet, fill it out now, and then drop it into the offering plate before you leave church today. And by the way, it's not just, it's not just in Sunday school and Wednesday evening that you have the privilege of being a blessing. There are other ministries in this church where you can serve as you tell us what your interests are and your gifts are. We want to try to direct you and place you in the ministry where God can use you. We have, we have two wonderful worship teams. One of our worship teams needs a marvelous, dependable, dependable drummer. Dependable drummer. If you're a God-loving, Christ-loving man or woman, and you know how to play the drums, I want you to see our worship leader, Hannah. Hannah, where are you? Just stand, Hannah. Hannah, I want you to see Hannah, but you got to know this. You got to practice. The worship team practices through the week. You got to go to practices. You can't just show up on Sunday mornings. A lot of folks like to just show up. It's not the way how things work. You got to practice. And I want to thank the worship team members for the practice, the practices that they go to and, and diligently prepare for Sunday services. Well, praise the Lord. Don't let things like hindrances hinder you. Amen? All right, let's move on to a third truth. Third truth, what spiritually revived people are like is this. Spiritually revived people are generous with the Lord's work. This truth comes from chapter 31, verses 4 and following. If you look at chapter 31, by the way, if, if I tried to cover every verse in this section of the Bible, uh, you would be here an awful long time. I don't usually like to skip in the chapters like this, but just because of sake of time, I, I have to. But I want you to see that this truth comes from 31 chapter, beginning at verse 4. Amen. It says, In addition, he required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. 
When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, and goats, and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people Israel. So I want you to notice, I want you to notice in verse 5, it says they brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. And in verse 6, you, you see it says, the people of Judah brought in the tithes, the tithes of their cattle, sheep, and goats, and a tithe of the things that they had dedicated to the Lord their God. What is a tithe? What is a tithe? A tithe is basically a tenth, a tenth of what God has enabled us to earn. That's what it is. I want to thank the many of you, I want to sincerely thank the many of you who regularly and faithfully tithe your income to support the ministries here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Thank you. Thank you so very much for your faithful giving. In addition to giving our tithes, this is a month. This is a month when we want to give beyond our tithe, and we want to give to world missions, to world missions. Our goal this year is to give $60,000 for world missions. And I want to say thank you for praying, for praying for and for giving to world missions across this year. Second Chronicles 31, verse 5 says, the people responded generously. On the last Sunday of this month, on the last Sunday, we will be receiving our annual mortgage fund pledges. Our goal is to raise $21,000 per month to help pay our monthly mortgages. Would you please, would you please think and pray about what your pledge will be. There's a pledge card in your bulletin today. That's not so that you would necessarily turn it in today, and so you can take that and pray over it and say, Lord, what would you direct me to pledge for this forthcoming year of October to the end of next September 2017? One day, a minister in a small town this minister in the small town said from the pulpit, he said, before we pass the offering plate, I would like to request that the person who stole the chickens from Brother Harvey's hen house please refrain from giving money to the Lord. The Lord, he said, doesn't want money from a thief. No, the Lord does not want money from a thief. The offering plate was passed around, and for the first time in many months, everybody gave. <laughs> well, at least Dr. Lisa got that. Thank you to those of you who give your tithes, World Mission Fund gifts, Mortgage Fund gifts, and more. Thank you for your generosity. Amen. And then, my friends, 
Spiritually revived people. Number four. Number four. Spiritually revived people are eager to praise and worship our Lord. This comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 29. There are many passages here where they praise the Lord, but look at 29, verse 28 and following. It says, The entire assembly worshiped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew until all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the psalms written by David and by Asaph the seer. So they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. This was a big deal. This was a great happening because for many years the people had not even been allowed to enter the temple the temple had been shut by the previous king. No one was allowed to worship. People were told not to worship. And now there was a revival. And the Bible says they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. And I say to you, spiritually revived people are eager to praise and worship the Lord. Are you spiritually revived? Reflect upon the four truths we have focused on today. Spiritually revived people are totally faithful to the Lord and do what is right in the sight of God. Are you one of those? Decide to be one of those if as yet you have not made that decision. Secondly, spiritually revived people carry out their duties, their ministries. Spiritually revived, revived people start into a ministry if you haven't had one or reconnect to a ministry and get re-excited about your ministry. Thirdly, spiritually revived people are generous with the Lord's work. Are you generous? And spiritually revived people are eager to praise and worship our Lord. It is our privilege today to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is one means by which, by which we say that we have given our minds, our hearts, to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper is one means by which we proclaim our devotion, our love for Jesus. And so in a moment, I invite you to celebrate your faith. And for some of you, for some of you who are making a spiritual decision today, this, this can be the moment when you take communion, this can be the moment when you say, Lord, as I receive the Lord's Supper today, I am doing this and saying to you, I give you my heart, I give you my life, and I determine to be totally devoted to you. Join us.
in celebrating your faith with us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the various truths that we uncover from this part of your Bible in 2 Chronicles. A little bit of what it means to be a revived person, person spiritually on fire for you. And I pray, Lord, that you are helping and you will help each one of us to live out these truths that we have gleaned in these moments together. And now, Lord, we want to celebrate our faith, our faith in Jesus as our Savior. Thank you, O oh God, for coming to earth in the person of Jesus the Christ. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Thank you for making salvation available to all of us, no matter how young or how old we might be. And thank you, Lord, for giving to us the promise of heaven through faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, may you bless each life, each person, as we partake of the Lord's Supper today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.